See, in Detroit, we pay a lot of attention to the UAW and who's running it and the negotiations between the union and the big three automakers, even though there have been so many changes over the years. Well, former president of UAW, Ray Curry, is out. He's a guy who had pretty good relations with uh, some of the CEOs of the car companies. A new force, Sean Fain, an unknown for a lot of people in the Detroit 3 automaker world, has now the new head, and he is vowing to get very uh, serious in these negotiations. Uh, A more militant fighting vision, striking the big three. These were, in fact, uh, quotes from a draft report written for Fain by his transition team manager. So what does that mean for the union and for all the union members and for upcoming potential negotiations? Marek Masters is a professor of business at Wayne State University joins us to talk about this. Thank you for coming on. Who is Sean Fain? Well, he is an international staff person with the UAW. He has worked in the training department and with the Atlantis wing of the union for a considerable number of years. He has a long history of service in the union. And so he's very familiar with the inner workings of the union, although he's never held a top-level leadership position, unlike uh, recent presidents. So he has a new face to a lot of people, particularly outside of the UAW. And he ran on a campaign that promised that they would take a more militant posture toward the companies in the upcoming contract negotiations. And one of the ways that he can make his immediate stamp on the union is by speaking out, as he did at the bargaining convention, saying that they were going to take that course. It was a new era, and they're getting ready to make certain that they address what they consider to be the urgent needs of the members. So has there been a general sense amongst UAW membership that they have been taken advantage of by the big three in recent years under Ray Curry, that they were uh, in a weakened position in their negotiations and didn't get all that they could have gotten? There's probably a general dissatisfaction with the state of the economy and the state of the worker, and that they believe that compared to the companies, the worker has gotten the shaft over the past several decades. However, I think it is questionable at this point in time to um, <clears throat> to conclude that the overwhelming majority of UAW members want a much more aggressive militant posture towards the companies. I think what they want is to reclaim their stature, to make certain that they're treated fairly and that their union lives up to those expectations and how they approach these negotiations. But it's important to remember that the vote was evenly split between the candidates and neither candidate, no matter who assumed the presidency, uh, on this t- at this time, could claim a mandate. Yeah, well, of course, we see that in this country, too, you know, where uh, the, the nation itself is split in two. And then well, I think, yeah, I think, you know, a union is, to a certain extent, a microcosm of the country. And the yeah. UAW has always had deep divisions ideologically. 
and I don't think that you can expect those to dissipate with just because a new person is coming on board. How right. much of this do you think is a little blustery? Because I've heard, like I said, I've been with these union things for a while, and I've heard a lot of people say these years before about how tough it was going to be and we're going to be this and this, and then they made some of the craziest deals I've ever seen. So is this a legitimate thing, or you think this is just um, blowing smoke before the negotiation? Well, I think there is a um, seriousness behind it. I think that they intend to take a different tack. I think they intend to be more militant, and I think their language bespeaks that intention. Uh, But the devil's in the detail, and it depends on the circumstances. And it's one thing at this point in time before the negotiations have even started to tout your horn pretty loudly. It's another thing when you're up against um, a deadline and the members have to go out on strike and face the prospects of what that might mean. Right. Well, we know that, you know, obviously COVID and everything we went through over the last three years uh, turned all businesses on their side. And prior to that, there was, there was it was a common refrain from uh, big corporate businesses that we, we need to tighten things up and things aren't the way that they used to be. And uh, we, we have to make some, everybody has to make sacrifices. We hear this all the time. On the other hand, we also read stories, those of us who are not working in the auto industry, but we read stories about when the companies do well with the profit sharing, that every individual worker gets you know sizable bonuses and sizable profit sharing checks uh, that seem to be from the outside fairly generous. So in your opinion, what, what is who's, who's sort of winning you know the battle between worker or company over these this last decade or so? Has, has, has one, in your view, taken well, significant I, advantage of the other? I think that um, there's enough fault to go around both sides. And I understand the posturing and the attempt to um, gain the upper hand in terms of trying to win the argument, so to speak. But I think there are merits to both sides. And what the sides need to do is put aside the rhetoric and find out what is the best solution as they go forward, because they're in a very competitive business. Uh, The companies are not guaranteed to exist in perpetuity. Um, They could uh, stumble under the onslaught of electrification as other companies gain advantage over them. So I think they're going to have to find a way to strike a bargain. Uh, Nobody wins from a strike. It's a question of who loses the most. And generally speaking, it's the workers because they're not in a position to take the hit that a corporate entity Uh, such as General Motors or Stellantis or Ford can. Um, But I understand the posturing, uh, and the companies will have to do their own posturing because I think, unlike the recent round of negotiations, this is going to be fought in the media much more than the others have. Mm. When does that begin? When did that begin? That they no. When uh, does when does that begin? When do the negotiations begin, and who's going to be first? Well, the negotiations will begin in the summer. Mm-hmm. They'll have preliminary discussions. Uh, they'll start. Uh, they probably already had some preliminary discussions and trying to set the stage in which they share information. Um, and I, I, I really think that one of the differences is going to be that 
with Thane at the helm and his faction of the UAW is that they're going to be much more aggressive in terms of making their case to the public and making their case to the membership. And so they're going to be in the media a lot more. And they have ratcheted up the rhetoric, and it's going to be very hyperbolic over the next several weeks. Hmm. Merrick Masters, uh, professor of business at Wayne State University. Thanks for the insight on that. Appreciate your joining us. A pleasure being with you. It's 760 WJR.